0: You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. It's interesting, uh, I use the terminology of holy ground, and I believe that that is what God has created here for us, is holy ground. But he said to me while we are taking communion, he said, each one of you is holy ground. Each one of you is holy ground. He has chosen for such a time as this for you to exist, and he fully intends that each one of us are to be his place of holy ground, his presence. You know, I think it's interesting, you look in that, at that passage of Scripture, and it always perplexed me as to why God said, take your sandals off, Moses. But what I think is he said, was saying there is that he doesn't want any barriers, any physical or any uh, 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 yeah physical barriers or distractions to prevent the contact of our feet to the holy ground. In other words, the shoes were a barrier to actually encountering the holy ground, and so God doesn't want any barriers in our lives that prevent Him from an encounter with Him. And so you are holy ground. He wants to remove the barriers from our lives that would prevent us from direct contact contact with the living God. I think that's a word for us today. That he wants no barriers. We celebrated in communion today. Yeah. We celebrated in communion today that Jesus has removed the barriers. And so we want to embrace that reality because in that, the whole thing about what God is doing is an experiential reality. It isn't just something we talk about, but the church has done a great job of talking and has done a lousy job of experiencing the presence of God. And I'm talking the corporate church American church. You go to to a third world country where they don't have all the distractions of a first world country and you see encounters with God there because they have nothing else. They have nothing else. Now, I would hate to see that happen to us. Can we not repent? Can we not embrace the living God while we are blessed by God? Yet we see the children of Israel. We see that when God blessed them, They walked away from God. May that not be true for us. May we receive the blessing of God and press into the power of God to receive what he has for us. That is what he wants to do in our lives. Don't let the enemy steal the things of God because we let him get away with it. We as the corporate body stand against the enemy. We stand against what he is trying to do in our lives and the lives of the people that we love, the people that we care about. And so we've been called to a holy war and we've been equipped to do what only God can do in and through us to transform us. So I know we're going to talk about spiritual transformation. It's interesting, I had a word last Sunday. I didn't realize I was going to be preaching and it just didn't seem to it fit with when, what Jeff was teaching on. And by the way, if you missed that teaching, by all means, why don't you look at, uh, check it out on the, the website for the church? He did a great job of developing the fruits of the Spirit. And those are things that God has gifted to us as an actually expressing him, himself, himself through us. But what happened was, it was like, as I was sitting there, it was like the, the Lord said, but... But there's an issue within all of us is that there's a place of selfishness where Jesus isn't Lord. And so God wants to deal with those things. There are individual places. And so always hear my heart. God never intends to shame us. Never. Why? Because shame drives us from the presence of God. We run and we hide. And I felt like in places within our lives. And I'm not talking complete. I'm talking about there are places within our lives where we run from God rather than pressing into God. And that's a good word for us today because that's what God is wanting to deal with because he's looking for lordship and the Lord is the Lord of everything, not just bits and pieces. And yet what's happened within us is we've offered bits and pieces of ourselves to God and we wonder why there are struggles, there are difficulties, okay? Now, there is the attack of the enemy, but the Apostle Paul says, don't suffer because you're a thief. If you suffer because of what you are doing, because of what God is doing in and through you, then that brings glory to God. But there are things in our lives, and I'm not talking about you guys being thieves, because that's not the issue. What it's speaking to is it's speaking to to places that we have reserved for ourselves ourselves, that bring comfort to us one way or the other, that are sinful, and in that then, the Lord is not the Lord of that. Now we declare Jesus is Lord, but we give lip service and God is saying, I want more than just your words. I have to have more of you than just your words. I have to have all of you. I am a jealous God and I want every last bit of you and so that is his work within us. He is looking to reveal, not in a shameful way, but in a place where there are places within our lives where we would not let Jesus be Lord. And he needs to do that. Why? For the sake of us. I think I, I grew up in the church, and you know, I got a lot of misunderstanding. I mean, they were nice people, and they tried their best, but you know the enemy was at work. But the thing that is, is that it's like we focus on behaviors and our behaviors actually flow out of our belief system. So when we see those places of false comfort, it should be a revelation to us. Oh, that is where the Lord needs to be, Lord, because I've held that back i've taken control of that why because i might need that at some point in time i cannot trust the lord god almighty he is not faithful i have not seen his faithfulness and therefore but that is the lie from the enemy and he points to what's ironic is the enemy draws us into sin with a false comfort and then he points to that and he criticizes us And we take that, and that shame drives us from the presence of God, and then we never experience the freedom. And then he points to that, and he says, that's your identity. Do not let the sin in your life define you. That is not God. God has defined us as the chosen ones, and we belong to him. And the things that are wrong in our life, he will deal with if we let him. Therein lies the challenge of free will, isn't it? It has a downside to it. We can choose not to let God do what he needs to do in our lives. He gives us that ability. Why? Because he wants our love, and he wants the love to be a choice, not something that's forced upon us. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. But do you realize that obedience is for our benefit, not God's? Think about that for a second obedience is for our benefit that's why God says you need to obey it's for your benefit why because I love you I love you so much that it you need to be obedient you need to be obedient to me for your sake and for the sake of humanity each one of us has been called to be a blessing yeah each one of us is not designed to be selfish unto ourselves but actually, to be the blessing that God has called us in a unique way. Now, it's interesting. I wasn't going to plan on, hadn't planned on sharing the story. But recently, I ran into an individual, okay, who is into the occult. Okay, I don't know that they really know that, but but that's part of the seductiveness of the kingdom of darkness, isn't it? And I'm like. I had, this was just a kind of a chance encounter, and I'm like going, and it was like, there was an openness to the good news of the gospel. This individual had been hurt by the church, but they were spiritual, and so what happens when the church hurts someone, and they're spiritual? They seek other spirituality, and so that is the guilt of this church, not this particular one. But their experience was in a church environment where it wasn't moved by God. It was moved by religion. They ran into a lot of Pharisees. Yeah. And in that, God was misrepresented. And in that deep need for spirituality, they now are seeking a twisted spirituality. But what's interesting is is when the enemy works in your life, he brings destruction It brings pain, misery, okay? And people don't even know what's going on. They're living in those kinds of places, and they don't even see it. They're blinded, you know? But what's interesting is they're looking for answers. I want you to know that each one of us, in our unique environments and places, we carry the answers of God in those relationships. Tap into the God. Tap into the true God, and let him bring the answer what is happening, I believe, for the church in America now is we actually have incredible opportunity. We have wandered so far from the truth. We're lost. And this culture is miserable, and they don't even know why. But you and I have the revelation of God in unique places and in people's lives. And what was interesting was as I began this conversation, I am like sitting there because you know in those kinds of things it's like God, you're doing this, aren't you? I'm like this is kind of amazing. This I'm totally caught off guard. That's what one of the number. This is not even the sermon, okay? (laughs) But but the thing it is is that God will catch you off guard. He will give you kingdom opportunities that you're not looking for, and He is calling you to step into those. Now, for me, you know, I'm always busy. Okay, I've got so much to do. Yeah, and that's my excuse. But this was just a chance encounter. And, you know, there was the voice inside that, you know, you should, you've got this to do. You should be doing this. That is the demonic trying to prevent the God to actually flowing through me to touch this individual and minister to the hurt. Because following the enemy ultimately brings hurt. And it says that God fully intends to redeem what the enemy has done in our lives. So we are looking for redemption. We are looking for spiritual transformation. We are going to watch God do the miraculous in our lives as we connect with people in their place of need and see the glory of God revealed. All right, so in this situation, this isn't me. I would have avoided that person, probably I could have, but I basically stumbled into them, okay? That's another part of the church. We don't like messy people. We like people that have got it all together. And the thing of it is, is that no one has it together. That is the weirdest thing, isn't it? Isn't it the weirdest thing? We like people that have it together, and then none of us have it together. Yeah, none of us. And we're like, what is this? This is insanity, To expect that and then go, I don't have it together. Well, the best thing is just to pretend, right? (laughs) I just pretend that I don't have any problems. Yeah. And God is going, oh, there are some issues here that need to be dealt with. Yeah. It's like, well, he told me, you know, it's like, God, I love you. And he goes, not enough. I'm going, what? (laughs) What? What? Because not enough. Yeah, there are places in your life where you love something else more than me. And that needs to change. And that is the beginning of the teaching, okay? Because God is doing a work in us. He is revealing those false loves that we have held back in comfort for ourselves, or medication, or whatever, but it's all, all an issue of comfort. And what is supposed to be our comfort within the Bible, within the community of faith? The Holy Spirit is our comfort. God knew that we would know, need comfort, didn't he? He knew that we would need comfort. But we. But the enemy is always, no, do this, do this, say this, treat someone like that, that'll bring you comfort. Yeah, actually, they deserve to be crushed or Driven into the ground. They deserve to be criticized so that they can shape up, so they can be transformed. It's like, what? What kind of theology have we bought into? We don't need more criticism. What we need is the life giving presence of God in us. And that's what brings about transformation for us. Wow. Can you feel the Spirit? Yeah. You can feel you can feel what God is doing here. Yeah. He is doing a work in each one of us. Now my work will not the work that he's doing in me will not necessarily look like what God is doing in Dan or any of the rest of you. But I don't need to compare myself to him, nor does he need to compare himself with me. Why? Because he's a unique and I'm a unique creation of God. Now, the enemy has had his turn at marring the image and likeness that was deposited within us in creation. You were made in the image and likeness of God. And then Satan bit you with a poison. And in that, it had its effect. It made us unlovely in many ways. But God is saying, I have an antidote for the bite of the snake. Yeah. I have an antidote for that, and it's the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is what is the antidote for the bite of Satan. But it needs to be administered, right? You need to come into the kingdom. You can't just sit on the outside and have that theoretically and not actually embrace that. That is why you and I must make a decision, and we continue to make that decision, do we not? It isn't just a one-time decision. It's an ongoing decision that the blood of Jesus will be applied to our lives so that it is the antidote to the bite of the snake so we don't die. Because God says, I don't want you to die. I love you. And I have done everything necessary so that you might receive life. And we want to take hold of that. All right, we've got a couple of passages of scripture to look at, but the idea here is that, and the focus was when Jesus, uh, when uh, I felt like the Spirit said, is that it's that we do not understand the lordship of Jesus. That's the issue. We like to say it, we like to say it, but we don't embrace it and we don't let it become a reality in our lives because we have free choice. And there are places within each of our lives. All of us are in the same boat. Maybe the stories are a little different, but all of us struggle with self. All of us struggle to let the Spirit of God bring death in those places. We like to lock them away, nice and convenient and comfort. We pretend that they're not there, so that, and then, oh my gosh, we'd never want anyone else to know that. You know, I think of that, (laughs) I think that sometimes when the prophetic begins to roll, I think what happens is people get terrified because they're afraid that God's going to expose, expose them. I think we resist the prophetic. And the thing of it is is that God fully intends to heal us and deliver us. He's not in the business of exposing us and shaming us and doing those kinds of things. He is in the business, if you will, <laughs> Of revealing the truth, because if you know the truth, the truth sets you free. And we don't know, there are places within us where we don't know the truth, where it hasn't been applied. And the power of God has come to this body in order to bring about that change. He is doing that work in each one of us. Now, you have the opportunity to stay and press into God, or you can run. Okay? We all do that. We run from those situations, and God is saying, Please, stay with me. Stay with me and let me do the work that only I can do. And then you and I, we say yes and amen to the work of God. That is what we do. We'll deal with that uh, in in 2 Peter. We'll look at it in just a minute. But the point of this is, is that you and I must agree with God. We must exercise our free will and say yes and amen to the work of God in our life. That is our responsibility. And you know, we have a culture where everyone's running from responsibility, blaming everyone else, and it is time for the church because the Lord will cleanse the house of the Lord first, and he's doing that. I think he's doing that. I think he's cleansing the American church right now. Because he needs to. How can we bring the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world around us if we refuse to be cleansed by the Lord God himself? How can we do that? What, what, what I mean, what magical thinking are we, are we practicing here? Yeah. God is saying, I must cleanse you. I must deal with those issues within our life that... Where I am not Lord, because for you to represent me, it's going to require me to actually flow through you. You remember in the New Testament, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious teachers and leaders, they got so much grief from Jesus. Why? Because everyone thought that they represented God. And what were they? whitewashed tombs filled with dead men's bones, traveling around trying to make converts and making them greater bondages of hell than they were before. Okay? Now, what's interesting is like a lot of things that I, if you look at scripture, I used to read them as something that was for the Pharisees, but of course I wasn't one. No, no, I'm humble. Yeah. Oh, I am right all the time, though. Yeah, but I'm humble in that, yeah. And I grew up in a religious community where it was all about right and wrong, and there's... So so what's interesting is, as you begin to look at this stuff, there are bits and pieces, and it's like, okay, I can't... On a Sunday morning, you can't explore all of those details in one situation. But right and wrong is very important. But the thing that is, is it's not about you being right, and it's not about me being right, it's about Jesus being right. That is the issue. That's what he wants to confront in our lives, is that Jesus is Lord and he is right. And I don't need to be right. Now, I want to be able to speak the truth in love, but see, the thing that is is that we have a tendency to speak the truth without love. What happens there? We alienate people from the truth because we do not speak it in love. Why? Because we don't have a firm foundation in the fact that God loves us. Where's the critical spirit? The critical spirit is always looking for what's wrong. It actually is a diversion tactic so we don't have to confront the critical stuff within our own life. Yeah, it's much better to find the log in someone else's eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much better to do that. And as you, as if the Christian community practices that, it drives people farther and farther from the truth. God forbid that we be agents of the kingdom of darkness in a saved state, driving people from the truth of God. But that was the issue that the Pharisees struggled with, wasn't it? They misrepresented God. And when Jesus came to confront that, they decided to kill it. Now, may that not be true of you and I when Jesus comes to confront the issues in our lives that we want to kill Jesus. I don't like what you're saying, Jesus. In fact, you know, or whatever we might do. I can't hear you. You know, that kind of thing. And God is saying, Bruce, come close to me. Let me talk to you. He's not angry. He's saying, but you need my intervention. You need to receive more of my love so that you can love more in others, okay? We love because he first loved us. If we do not encounter the love of Jesus, then we do not have the capacity to love people in those places where they're challenging. I just like easygoing individuals. I don't like a lot of conflict or difficulty. No, I don't. I don't like messy people. What's interesting is, and it was kind of like, God's called me into the lives of so many messy people. You know. And it was kind of like, this is the mistake I made. It was in an encounter with God. And he took me at my word. Oh. And he said, all right, I'll take that, and I'll make it life. I said, we, we, saw, we saw Jesus moving in powerful ways. And I told him, My wife will testify this. I said to Jesus, because I could feel him. I mean, this was a small group where it happened. And small groups are really cool. uh, But uh, the presence of God was was heavy in the atmosphere and was sinking down. And what would happen is when I put my hand up, I could feel God, a deeper and more powerful presence of God. It was exciting. I mean, I was caught up. and, And I have prided myself. I'm Norwegian. We don't have emotions. We don't have emotions. No, no, we are stoic. We—it's always about what we do, performance, all of that kind of stuff. Now Italians are different. <laughs> okay? They're—they're—they're—they're—they're they're, they're, they're ge- they're genetically closer to the experience of God, just the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, but I said, God, I love what you're doing. You're healing and delivering people. I, if all you ever do is have me pray for people, I'll do that. And he goes, thank you. I'll take that. And that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do with you. So that was, and it's a unique gift and a call. And what's interesting is that love and compassion and that deep desire for other people was so foreign to the natural me. That is not who I am in the fallen natural state, I am opposite of what God has done in my life. Yeah, I, I controlled all relationships so that I didn't get any complications. Yes, so control was a huge thing for me, control. But what happened was, is I was overwhelmed by the love of God. And he says, control's not working well for you, is it? And I go, no, it's not. But you know, I still like it. And he goes, oh, we have got a lot of work to do with you. A lot of work to do with you. And he does have a lot of work to do with each of us, but he is patient and kind. And he he's perseveres. And so, all right, let's take a look at some scripture here. I know I've been ranting and raving, but oh, God is so into this and what he wants to do in our lives. All right, so... Now, uh, turn to Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. It says, But because of his great love for us, God, who, in his ri- who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace, the empowering presence of God, that you have now been saved. And God raised ye- us up, ...with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming age he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And, and this is not from yourselves. This is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast... For we are all God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If you don't know what God wants you to do, start here. Start here. Because it is the message of life for each one of us. Yes. And so you realize the Bible is God's story of his rescue mission, right? You've heard that before. yeah. And and we learn a lot about who God is as a result of actually seeing that rescue mission. But ultimately, the goal of the Bible is to take us to an ongoing encounter with the living God. Similar to Moses at the burning bush, we are to experience the ongoing encounter of the living God because that's what brings change to us. That is what brings change to us. That is what rescues us. It's the lordship of God in every part of our life that brings about the rescue of us. You and I, above all, need to be rescued from ourselves. That's just the harsh reality, okay? I know, it's a lot easier to look at others, but don't. Stop it. Start... Asking the Lord. He is patient and kind. He will reveal those things not to hurt us, but to save us and transform us. So, as we encounter God, both in the corporate, now where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. So, there is a different, literally, expression of God where the body comes together. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. Why? Because there's a different encounter. There's more for us as a result of that. Yes, you have the Spirit of God if you're saved. You have the Spirit of God that indwells you. What happens is, is when we come together, we bring the corporate expression of of the Spirit within each one of us, and it combines to be a beautiful expression of God. So you should expect to see on Sunday mornings a beautiful expression of the power of God. This morning, he was here with his sweetness, He was. You could feel it. When Callie was praying, it was just about at the end of her prayer, before we started worship, that you could feel the presence of God come. And it was like, you know, Scripture says what? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And there was a sweetness, and still is, of his presence. I want you to enjoy that. God fully intend for each one of us to enjoy our relationship with him. It is not. I was taught it was going to be a miserable one. I thought it was going to be like, you just need to keep trying to do the right thing and hope that you make it. It's like, oh, that is really good news. Not. The gospel is good news. Yeah. Yeah. It transforms us. It sets us free. Yeah, religion is bondage, and it brings destruction. It trades relationship for rules and regulations, and it destroys us. And we are empty husks rather than being filled with the power and presence of God. And so what we see here is we see that the encounter with God brings about the spiritual transformation, and it is all done by his goodness and grace. In other words, it's him doing it. I have nothing to be proud of. I have everything to be proud of in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is what has done everything that has any redemption. Any redemption. And you know what? God fully intends to use our lives to redeem what was stolen by the enemy. That's a testimony. Our lives are to be testimonies where God comes and He redeems the things that were wicked and, and, and screwed up by the, the kingdom of darkness and He takes that. Now, I'll, I'll take that. And I'm going, I don't know. Maybe I like this. Let's talk some more. Uh, you know, I don't know that we need to discuss this a lot because I'm right. And you know, you're hanging on to something that needs to be let go of. It's not helping you. Are you sure? You know, we have all these dialogues. Now, they may not be that, that overt, but at a, at a deeper level, we have those, those kinds of conflicts as God begins to touch things. Yeah. And that's natural. That's, that's normal for a fallen human being that is experiencing spiritual formation or transformation that is the work of the Spirit, okay? There will be a wrestling match inside of us there will be a wrestling match inside of us. Okay? But God needs to win. And what happens is is that as I experience his love, what happens is that faith, hope, trust, all of those attributes begin to manifest and I then transition in being willing to give those things to God that need to be given to him. That's the miraculous work of God. That's the power of the kingdom. And so we see that you and I are God's workmanship. In other words, he is reforming us. We were all damaged goods, but he he is now touching us by his very hands and he is reforming us into his image and likeness. We were marred, but we are now being transformed. And it is a process. So, I want you to give yourself some grace here. Actually, mercy. I want you to mercy, give some mercy to yourself. Okay? And some grace, uh, your own empowerment to actually cooperate with God. But we're all in transition. Yeah? Yes, there are certain places that we're stuck. And, and you'll run into people that are really stuck. Okay? But what are we going to do with that? When we recognize what God has done in our lives, it changes the way we look at people that are not yet practicing perfection, doesn't it? Yeah. If we don't come into that place of thanksgiving for what God has done in our lives, we are not very tolerant of what, God, of what the enemy is doing in other people's lives. Thanksgiving is huge. Why? It's like a reset button for us in our relationships a thanksgiving to God and what he has done in our lives. And in that, when you are overwhelmed by his love and his thanksgiving and his mercy and his goodness to us, what happens is a is heart begins to change for the poor, the sick, and the lost, for the difficult people. Yeah. Now, does God send difficult people into our lives? Possibly. I don't know for sure. I just know that there are a lot of them. <laughs> the world is full of them, okay? Yeah. They are. Yeah. But the thing of it is is that I can be difficult, too. And I want people to love me. Yeah. But I can be difficult. And so in Thanksgiving when you begin to understand the truth, the truth sets you free. And so you're then able to have a different perspective. And isn't that what we need? You and I need a godly perspective. Why are we seated with Christ in heavenly places? For one reason is to have a heavenly perspective of this life. To have a heavenly perspective of this life. And to have a heavenly perspective of other individuals. That is freeing. Why? Because God reveals the truth and in that then we have a reset within our life. See, in the Garden of Eden, the damage created a lot of problems within the human race. But you know, when you get saved, God hits the reset button and he takes us back to original uh, uh, value. He takes us back to the original factory settings from heaven. Yeah, he takes us back to that. He pushes the button and we thou are reset. Now, We may have some viruses running around in our hard drive, okay, and the Holy Spirit is after them to actually cut those things out. And so the Holy Spirit runs a cleaning program periodically in our life (laughs) to find out those rogue viruses that have cropped up that, okay, yeah, so you were doing emails and you opened up the wrong email and all of a sudden, boom, you've got a virus or whatever. Some, some of the stuff is not intentional. It just happens. But God goes, I can deal with that. I've got the ultimate spyware. <laughs> ultimate. And I'll deal with those things. All right. Now, so we use that to set up this next passage. Uh, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 10. Okay. Okay. Um, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Let's just deal with that particular passage there first. Okay. So it's his divine power that's intervened in our lives. And it has given us everything. Did you hear that? Everything? Does not the enemy say to Eve, God didn't give you everything? You need to do something to solve the problem. And we have been buying that same lie ever since. Yeah. God's enough. He is sufficient. Now, I need to keep telling myself, because there are places within my heart that don't believe that. Yeah. And there are probably places in your heart where you don't believe that. But God's not mad. He's just wanting to reveal that so he can bring about change. He is a good father. I am so amazed at his goodness. I am, I am I'm always amazed at his goodness towards me and towards others. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm like, God, we're dumb sheep. We bite each other. We, we walk away from you. We do all sorts of nasty things, and you still love us. How do you do that? It's who He is. That's who He is. That is who He is. And so you can rest in that. Okay, so He has given us everything. So the next time you complain to God that you don't have something you need, go to this passage and confess that to be true over your life. That's helpful. Scripture is designed to do warfare against the lies of the enemy. What did Jesus do in his battle with Satan? He confessed the truth. Yeah? Yeah, it's warfare. So when there are places where you are struggling with the truth, then find the passage. If you can't find it, call someone. Call someone. Good grief. We're in this together. Yeah. You don't have to be perfect. Well, you're not but you are moving in the direction of perfection as the lordship of Jesus is dealing with the issues in our life that are preventing him from being Lord. So we are in that progressive work. We should see that. Okay, so knowledge in this passage means understanding and insight. Now, we have a culture that is all about knowledge. But how has that helped us relationally? We've gotten farther from God. Yeah. The Pharisees knew everything that there was to know about information. And yet, the living God was standing before them and they couldn't see Him. What is that saying? What's the warning to the church? We can immerse ourselves in Scripture and miss God. That is, should be terrifying to us. We need the Holy Spirit speaking to us as we read scripture and letting it be the daily bread that we need in order to actually bring about the transformation you are what you eat and when you eat the living word jesus said i have bread that you're not even aware of i feed on the word of god and so the word of god is nutrition to us and it needs to be come to life with the oversight of the Holy Spirit. It really does. So when you read scripture, you always say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. What do I need to hear out of this? Yeah. Give me the revelation that I need. Give me today, today uh, uh, tomorrow's bread. Give me your daily bread. Okay, the daily bread literally is salvation, transformation, all of that, and that bread is from heaven and you and I have the opportunity to take hold of the bread of heaven and ingest it today and actually receive the spiritual transformation that it's bringing to us. So take hold of heaven. Grab hold of what is available to you and let it bring the nutrients that you need. Stop eating McDonald's. Stop eating trash food, okay? Start eating healthy, whole Food Found within this, you know, yeah, some of our diets in the physical are not good, and some of our diets in the spiritual are not good, Amen. the trash food, yeah so what we want is we want the purity of the true life-giving scripture that comes to life within us um. A goal that you and I should have is as we walk through life you ask the question is this bringing life to me or death? God is always bringing life to us. He's the giver of life and he is the sustainer of life and so you and I should always look for life because the enemy is bringing death to us and we must guard our hearts against that. Okay, so When we see knowledge in this passage, it is understanding and insight. I love the word insight. It has a relational context to it, doesn't it? You're able to look inside. Insight. God wants to reveal to us himself. He wants us to have insight. The psalmist says, or maybe it's an exodus, teach me your ways, O God, that I might know you. Maybe that's Moses saying that. But th- the idea is, is that I need insight into you. I need a relationship with you that gives me insight into you so that I might know you. Yeah. So that's a good prayer for each one of us. Lord, give me the knowledge, this, I mean, the understanding and insight that allows me to look inside of you, God. Because he wants to, he's transparent. He wants to reveal. He, he's looking for intimacy. We use that term, we throw it around. But I don't know that we really understand it. Not in the, the spiritual context of what God really is wanting to bring to us. But that's something to press into. See, some of these things will be, hopefully, seats that God will use for you to begin to explore a deeper revelation. So what is it, mean, God? For me to know you. What does it mean? What do you want to do? How do you want to reveal yourself to me in a new and a fresh way that brings intimacy, that allows me to connect with you uh, so that we connect powerfully? The idea is, and we'll get to that later here, but the idea is, is that Peter is saying, these things that I'm telling you that should be representing what's going on in your life as you practice those, it will begin to bulletproof you against the kingdom of darkness. Weapons of warfare. Bulletproof. All right. So, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they uh, will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so God fully intends for us to begin to exercise and cooperate with His divine expression in our lives. So this is not a passive thing. And that's one of the issues that I'm concerned about with the American church is the passivity. Distracted and passive. May that not be true of us. May we be channeled into, by the power of the Spirit, seeing the, these particular characteristics revealed in our lives. You and I have been called by God to participate in His divine nature. That would be something just to press into. God, what does that look like? And may I actually, may I actually experience that, not just, not just talk about it. Okay, so what happens then is we are able to, and we'll just, uh, we'll just cover a few of these points here. You know what? You can feel that you're disconnecting from him. Yeah, yeah. There was a change. It just happened just a little bit ago. And so it's kind of like pointless to actually beat you over the head with the truth if you're actually uh, thinking about what's going on for the rest of the day or whatever. So I will leave this passage incomplete, and I will trust that you will explore that. We'll just hit the high points, and then we'll go from there, okay? So it's a progressive work of the Holy Spirit, This is how you escape the fallen flesh, is as you participate in His divine nature, He brings about that transformation. We read the list. And remember, all of those things are actually the grace of God in our lives, not something that you summon up out of your own life. They are things that you receive from the grace of God. Now, it then goes on, and it talks uh, in verse 10. It says, uh, well, first of all, before that, uh, the key to a life that is effective and productive is letting the Spirit of God actually take over our lives. Okay, now, as a guy, we're all about, oh, so the first thing you do when you meet someone is, so what do you do? And oh, I'm retired. Well, oh, that's not a good answer. What did you do before? Because I want to establish who you are and your value. Yeah, that's what we do Yeah, as men. Okay, women, not, they don't work that way. But, uh, but we're, so I'm talking to you guys right now. You want a life that is filled with productivity and effectiveness, press into God. Press into God. Yeah. Your life will be radically changed. If we don't press into God, we don't see the expression of God. And we, I mean, you know, it's, it's, what's so interesting is, is that Scripture says if we, are, if we seek Him, we will find Him. But the struggle is is that it's a lot of work to seek Him. That's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. I prefer to devote my energies to things in this realm because I can see the productivity of that and I feel good about myself. But God is saying, oh, there's more. We don't want to get to that place of the pearly grates and realize that we squandered what God had given us. We don't want to do that. Yeah, that is a poor time to find out, okay? Let the Spirit work in each of our lives right now to reveal what is blocking the productivity and effectiveness of our lives. That's what I want. That's what I want for you. it's for me also. I'm not standing here like I've arrived, because I have not. But this is a word from the Lord, and he's saying to us that he wants to bring change into our lives. And that's good. All right, so... We, it is a progressive work and it brings about an effectiveness and a productivity within our lives. He says, if we miss that, we're blind. Why? Because we have actually forgotten where we came from. Yeah. Yeah. We forgot that we were cleansed from the sins of the past. Yeah. We have forgotten our true identity is what that's saying. Yeah. And God is reminding us. God is reminding us who we are. We are not the sin of the past. So don't let it come. Don't participate in it. Let God do what only he can do. And then what happens is we put our yes and amen to his work. That's how we exercise our free will. We say yes and amen to the work of God. Yeah, and there is effort in that. Why? Because it fights against the selfishness and those kinds of things that, are we, that easily come against us. And so we add our effort of agreement to the work of God. That's what we do. God has given us the power to choose. May your choice be the yes and amen to the work of God in your life. Stand with me and let's pray. Lord, you are good. You are good. Yeah. You're so good that we, have, we, we don't understand it. But Lord, I thank you that we don't need to understand, but we need to receive. I thank you that you are willing to receive uh, or to deliver to us, and we deeply desire to be able to receive your goodness. Yeah. Why? Because it transforms us. It builds faith in us, yes. It brings humility to us. And so, Lord, we know that there are places yet in our life that are not fully surrendered to you. It's true for all of us. And so, Lord, we come in humility to you and we say, reveal those things. Lord, I thank you that in your graciousness, in your goodness, you don't deal with everything all at once, but you deal with priorities. You prioritize change in our life. And you build upon change. Lord, you are building it. We are your workmanship. We are your workmanship. Your hands have formed us and are forming us to reveal your goodness as the creator. Lord God Almighty, we release our lives to you and we say your plans are good for us and that you deeply desire to bring to us what is missing what yet needs to be changed so that we might more fully surrender to your Lordship. Lord, our desire, even though we don't even know what it really means, our choice is that you become Lord over all of us. We want that, Lord. We say yes to that. We say yes to the work of your Spirit within our lives. Lord, we thank you that you've given us each other as a gift. We say thank you for the gift of this body and what you've brought to us in it. Yeah. Lord, we thank you that you are equipping us to be the vessels of transformation outside of these four walls. Yeah. Lord, we thank you for the kingdom opportunities. Lord, I pray that we would be able to see your kingdom opportunities because they are many. They are many. And so, Lord God, we ask that you would do that You would bring that revelation, and Lord, I pray that there would be humility in our lives that would cooperate with that. Lord, I ask that you would break the power of the busyness of our lives, where that has become our God in so many ways. Yeah, where it rivals you, Lord, we ask that you would bring about a reorientation of who truly you are. You are the Lord God Almighty. We lift your name high and we say yes and amen to your plans and purposes and we look forward to the future because because of you, it is a delightful, beautiful future. And we pray these things in the holy, holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit PrayCC.org. about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.